Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. like nothing we've ever seen reported before. have been some surreal days, haven't they? And I am glad to see you guys. Can we, uh, let, you know, let's just take a deep breath together. Can we do that as a church, all our campuses? Ready? Here we go. Deep breath. <sighs> just kind of release here a little bit. Um, in fact, let's do this. I want to make sure that we give some thunderous love to our brothers and sisters, not only in New Brunswick and Nutley, but down the Jersey Shore, listening online. Can we thank God for you guys? We're with you guys. We're standing with you today. Thrilled that you have joined us. Um, it's good to be back together. It's just been an amazing, unprecedented last couple of weeks where we have seen really a, a, a watch nature bring a nation to its knees. It's been very humbling. Um, how many of you did lose power at some point? You were without, wow, just a sea of hand. Oh, my goodness. Uh, maybe you're without heat. Maybe you haven't had that back. I talked to a number of people uh, from our community who haven't had that back. Sandy was a super storm in every sense of the word, extremely rare. Um, nothing on the record books quite like it. As you know by now, Sandy started in the Caribbean as a tropical hurricane. And um, what was amazing is it morphed. It was a tropical uh, storm. It just morphed, morphed into a hurricane. And then it mixed with a nor'easter. So we had this weird thing. Sandy was literally a hurricane wrapped in a nor'easter. And it did an unprecedented thing. While it was headed out to sea, all of a sudden it took a left turn and slammed back like it was magnetized into the East Coast with New Jersey and New York in the bullseye, the most densely populated region of our country, 60 million people obviously in the crosshairs. And uh, so in a lot of ways, they, it was the perfect storm. Um, just to give you a sense of the size, uh, Sandy's uh, wind field was over 1,000 miles wide. That's a three-hour plane ride from end to end. So it's like covering half the country there, okay? Sandy was epic, and it did make landfall just five miles west of Atlantic City, which is 80% underwater. Um, Atlantic City was a ground zero for the hurricane. From there, you guys know it roared up the Jersey Shore, devastating towns in Seaside and Point Pleasant, Ocean, Long Beach Island, Belmar, the list goes on. Streets kind of turned into rivers, um, homes flooded, many of them washed off their foundation. Uh, one of our staff members here at Liquid, uh, she has a house, a family house down the Jersey Shore and um, is in Ortley Beach. And I, when we got power back, uh, you know, I saw her, I said, how'd you guys make out? She said, well, we don't know, it's missing. I said, what, what do you mean, does your house get flooded? She goes, no, the house is missing, it's gone. We can't actually locate it. The only thing that was left was an outline of the foundation, so the house is gone. They're trying to locate where that would even, 
even be. Um, just, just unreal. Um, in Seaside uh, Park, uh, Sandy tore away the uh, boardwalk and most of the, the pier. The roller coaster is now in the ocean, literally. My son, Dell saw that picture and said, can we still ride it? He was like very excited. He thought, now that looks fun, right? It's kind of a wet and wild flume now. Um, crazy, it's changed forever, right? As Governor Christie said, the Jersey Shore of our youth is gone. The, the coastline has been reshaped. And uh, it is now officially the most destructive and expensive storm to ever hit uh, the Northeast. North here of the shore, New York City, the suburbs where we are, the damage was catastrophic. Uh, over 6 million people ended up losing power and uh, as trees came down. And it was eerie, cars floating down Manhattan. That was very strange to see. Subways and tunnels completely flooded. And even the New York Stock Exchange was closed for two days unprecedented since the 1800s, um, so huge financial economic impact. Um, all, all told, Sandy's estimated cost will be about $50 billion, which now makes it uh, the costliest storm in U.S. history, second only to Katrina. Um, all of us have a story about this. You, you, you have a story this morning, everybody here, of trees down or power out or gas lines that you had to wait in for four hours. Woo, that bring back memories of the early 80s? Wow. But, you know, then you talk to somebody else and you're like, wow, I was only inconvenienced in comparison. Breezy Point, New York, where uncontrolled fires from ruptured gas lines burned almost 100 homes to the ground. It literally looked like Hiroshima. Does that look like World War II? Hoboken, um, streets were flooded with stormwater mixed with raw sewage. Uh, they brought the National Guard in. And our neighbors on Long Island and Staten Island are, are still suffering. Everybody has a, a story. You have a, a memory. Some of you are going through it. Uh, right now, an image seared in your head. And um, what I want to do this morning, really, we just, we just threw out what we were planning to do. I was like, Lord, you need to speak to your people. You need to provide hope and be a bomb. And that's what I want to do. I don't want to fixate on the crisis this morning. I want to give you hope, hope in the hurricane, uh, really, because amidst all this heartache and loss, I want to help you see something, something significant and critical. Because every crisis, I believe, brings with it an opportunity. Every crisis brings with it an opportunity to show the love of Christ in the middle of the crisis. And that's really our hope, that, that as a church this morning, you're going to leave here, and I realize we've all been focused on, like, i got to get my power on or my gas or whatever, so I want to lift our vision as a church, okay, and really so that we can see Christ in the middle of this crisis, amen? Because amidst all this destruction, I've seen some amazing signs of hope, people coming together to actually help one another, neighbors you know, sharing, you know, food or flashlights or helping pump out the basement, sharing gas or a generator. Um, someone loaned us uh, their generator. That was neat um, because we were able to get our, um, our refrigerator working and our neighbors didn't have anything. So they actually came over. Our next door neighbors came. They crashed in our basement, a young couple from Israel with their two-year-old daughter. And they, they stayed in our house. Uh, we talked like more over the last, you know, few days than we did in the last two years, you know, as neighbors. It brings us together. And it was kind of crazy because at one point we had six adults and eight children running around a house with no lights and burning candles. <laughs> and it's, they're sugared on Halloween candy, right? They're all sugared up. It's nuts. And uh, when the power came on, we, you know, we went over to their house, helped rip up their soaked carpet in their basement. And it's, it's funny to me because sometimes it takes a crisis to bring a community together. Amen? It really is amazing. And I just want to thank those of you who have been the hands and feet of Christ. I got the coolest email uh, this past week from a, a family in Oklahoma who just moved to New Jersey this past year. They attend our Nutley campus, and she wrote this. She said, Pastor Tim, I want to take some time to let you know how amazing Liquid Church, specifically our home at the Nutley campus, has been to our family. 
uh, the storm hit our town of Little Ferry pretty hard. And the day after the storm, our leaders contacted us to make sure we were okay. And this made us feel how really small our big church is. I love that. Big church, but small, viral. It gave us hope. Listen to this. Our life group has been the biggest support as we survived the storm. Our life group leaders, Jordan and Carmen, got power back on Saturday, which was my birthday. And honestly, I was having a hard time. They made taco soup. And they let us stay in their apartment and get warm. We even had a birthday cake and felt normal for the first time in five days. My husband works from home, and they're letting him work from their apartment so we can continue to bring in an income. And without the support of this church family, we Oklahomans would just feel lost. We know a lot about tornadoes, but not much about hurricanes. So thank you for loving us in our time of need. Can we thank the Life Group leaders and all of you guys? You have been the hands and feet of Christ on a street level. You've been showing the love of Christ that way. And I actually want to thank those of you who came with relief supplies today at all of our campuses. I was just down in the lobby. We are causing a problem. Uh, it is overflowing, uh, you know, with jugs of water, canned goods, socks. Thank you. Uh, this, did you know that? Socks are the number one requested item by people who don't have a home. That's the homeless people say number one thing is socks because obviously it's very, you know, now it's wet out there. The temperature is dropping. So socks, all of that. And what we're going to do is take all of these relief supplies that you have donated today at each liquid campus. We're going to bring them to our facility in Mountainside. Uh, thank God we have an empty building there. And we're going to get it all kind of organized there, staging ground, and then hand deliver it first thing this week to the shelters, ministries, and uh, missions that were kind of first responders. But this is just stage one, okay? This is just like, what can we do right now this Sunday? Stage one of our response as a church. This is the beginning. Today, we're going to talk about stage two in a moment, and this is where the comeback begins, and I'm very excited about this. But I want to ground us in scripture, okay? So would you take out your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7, because there's a passage here in God's word that really resonated this week with me as I talked to families who were impacted by Sandy. This is um, a story that Jesus told about a superstorm. We printed it in your notes, and it's, 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 not, it's not a stretch to say this is eerily relevant in light of all that we have gone through the last few days. And it really asks this question, where's God in all of this? Like, like when a disaster like Sandy strikes, what's God saying? What's he asking his people to kind of just hit the pause button and think about? Read, read with me, Matthew 7. We'll start at verse 24, and here's the background. These words conclude the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus has just finished delivering the Sermon on the Mount, that was his manifest about living in the kingdom of God. In other words, what, it's, what is it like to bring heaven to earth, to, to live on a broken world with, with the hope of heaven and, and being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and serving others and being God-centered? And here's how he concludes his sermon with these words you're about to read, verse 24. Therefore, Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a what? It fell with a great crash. In other words, Jesus says, I want you to imagine two families who experience a storm, a superstorm, if you will, okay? Jesus had been watching the Weather Channel, okay? 
Look at the details he gives. The rain came down, the streams rose, the violent winds blew, beat against their house. Guys, it doesn't take a meteorologist to understand this. Whenever you have torrential rain and rising floodwaters, a storm surge, homes being knocked down by gale force winds, you have what's called a hurricane. Now, Jesus doesn't say whether this is category three or four here, okay? But it's a hurricane he's talking about, there's no doubt. And everybody, although our situation here on the East Coast is, is unique, we have to admit, everybody is hit by a storm at some point, aren't they? I mean, everyone here in this room at our campus is listening online. We all have been affected by the negative realities of living in a broken world. What that impact is like on your family, on your marriage, your job. It may not be the same for each of us, but it's true. We all get rained on. Say amen if you agree to that. We get rained on. But the response of these two guys in Jesus' story raises this question for you and me. It's like when a superstorm like Sandy hits, Jesus is like, it has a way of exposing what you're building your life on. You actually have to hit the pause button and think, what kind of foundation am I building on, right? I mean, this, this is a story he tells. It's a metaphor, building a house, but it's like building a life or constructing a career or you're building a marriage or trying to raise a family that's built to last. You want something durable, and if you compare these two men, what's amazing is they, they have a lot in common. Both men had the same dream, right? They undoubtedly wanted to construct something in their life that was substantive and durable. If they were married, they had the dream of a relationship that was going to grow and flourish and withstand the pressures that the world brings. We, we all have dreams. You're building a life. Or maybe you're trying to construct a career that is substantive. You could even apply it to building a church or a ministry. We all want something that honors God and is built to go the distance. All of us fit into Jesus' story. Both men shared the same dream, and both men had the same directions. That's significant. In other words, they both had listened to Jesus. Notice he says, they heard these words of mine. So these guys went to church. They were students of Jesus. They'd actually read their Bibles, okay? They went to seminary. They studied under Professor Jesus. You don't get better than that, right? You sit under my teaching on Sundays, but they sat under Jesus. And by trade, Jesus was what? He was a carpenter. So they had received specific direction from him about constructing a life built to last. So same dreams, same directions, and they're hit with the same storm. They're both inside their homes when the power goes out. Whoa, what was that? They both heard the same creaking of the trees outside. What was that? Both had their wives holler, did you get gas for the generator? You know. <laughs> they, they'd say, we are exactly like these men. It may be different. We have the same dream. We have the same directions. We, as Christians, we've heard the word of Jesus. We've opened ourselves, that's what you're doing, to the word of God. But we all confront at some point a similar storm. At some point, there will be something that happens in life that tests your resolve and reveals your foundation. That's the difference between these two men. Did you notice this? When the hurricane hits, they have completely different results. For the first guy who drilled down to bedrock, his house, nothing happened, no damage. But for the second, it says the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it what? It fell with a great crash. <laughs> Total loss. It's missing. The roller coaster is in the ocean, okay? Now, I want to be real sensitive here because we have people in this congregation, okay, who live down the shore. We have, I have family, okay, who vacations down there. Maybe you've lost a home or you've lost property. 
And I just want to say this, call this out. I think we all know this. But this is no sort of like guilt trip for having a beach house, okay, or anything like that. If you have a beach home, I want to be your friend, okay? That's, that, honestly, this is, a, this is a metaphor. You understand this? You guys get this. This is a story Jesus tells. Uh, and, but, but believe it or not, some people are weird about this. I got an email this week from a listener online who asked, Pastor Tim, do you think Sandy is God's judgment for the TV show, The Jersey Shore? Somebody emailed that to me. Because Seaside, right, Seaside, where Snooky and her crew kind of party, right, they're like, it's leveled. And I was like, the answer is no, this is not God's judgment, and I can prove that theologically. Jesus does not watch the Jersey Shore. Um, he watches the voice, he just doesn't watch the Jersey Shore. It's just, it's different. This is a story Jesus tells. It's a metaphor, right? It's a symbol of a larger truth, and he's making a point about foundations. In other words, what are you building your life on? What do they say are the most, three most significant factors of real estate? Location, location, location. So one guy says, I'm going to locate my house inland, and I'm going to drill down to bedrock. But the other guy says, I'm going to build a beach house. I want to live by the water. So he built on sand, okay? And I get that because the ocean is a beautiful place to live by. It's why we vacation there. I'm growing up, I have such amazing memories of going down to Point Pleasant, uh, Wildwood, we go to Seaside. My parents would actually load my brother Ted and I uh, in our station wagon, and we'd drive down the Garden State Parkway, you know, 45, 50 minutes down. And I remember because we would roll down the windows in the back of the station wagon, and you could smell, the, you know, the salt water. And we knew we were close when we would see those seagulls, like, circling overhead. And we're like, oh, we're almost there. And we'd, we'd pull into the spot. My dad, you know, he'd jump out. And then and we'd be like, well, we're going. But mom's like, stop. And she'd take out the suntan lotion. And, oh, come on, mom. We, want to, you know, we, want to, we just want to get to the beach. And, and, and she'd lather us up. But then, boom, we'd go straight in the water and just spend the day there, right? Awesome time. Sand castles. We'd body surf, you know, catch those little sand crabs. And we would get nice and burnt, okay? SPF was like four in those days. But at the end of the day, the best part was when my parents would take us back to the, the, the car because they'd kind of rinse us, so we towel off kind of, you got sand now and lotion, all that, and put on our boardwalk clothes. You got boardwalk clothes, that was the best part. Because then they would take us to the boardwalk where we would gorge ourselves on funnel cake. You like funnel cake? We, we would go to Jenkinson's and just, and then we'd go on the tilt-a-whirl. And up would come the funnel cake, you know? I remember my brother and I just puking on that. And um, Colleen and I, we actually still take our kids. We take them a little farther south. We go to Ocean City, Cape May area. But we eat Core Brothers ice cream on the boardwalk. And then we go on the spinning teacups and the ice cream comes up. You know, we want to keep the tradition going. And we would stay up super late on the boardwalk until my parents would actually carry our tired little bodies back to the station wagon. And I remember that my mom, you know, she'd be putting us in there and kind of buckling us up with the, with the seatbelt. And I remember her saying to my, my, my father, wouldn't it be nice if we had a beach house someday? And my dad saying, it's cheaper for a day trip. And he put in a drive, you know, and, and we drive up. Great memories, right? You, you have memories. If you've ever lived by the water, I get it. There's nothing like living by the ocean, a house built on the sand. The problem, as Jesus describes it here in Matthew 7, is that the two Men had the same dream, the same directions, but a different foundation. One was built on rock, and one was built on the beach. He constructed his life like a beach house. And this isn't a commentary on physical construction, but on their spiritual character. You get this? 
Jesus is contrasting the quality of their faith. He's like, one of these guys, his faith was literally hardcore. He was constructing his life on the solid rock of God's word. He not only listened to Jesus, but he put his words into practice. And Jesus says, that guy is a wise builder. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a a wise man who built his house on the rock. In other words, he's like, the first guy wasn't concerned about aesthetics. He said, I want to focus on durability. Above all else, I just want something that lasts, okay? And Jesus is like, this guy is a smart contractor. He's a wise guy. Now, in contrast, look what he calls the second guy because he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a what? A foolish man who built his house on sand. The Greek word for foolish here is more, where we get our English word moron. And this is very New Jersey of Jesus to say, right? He's like, this one guy's a wise guy, the other's a moron, right? He starts talking like Governor Christie, basically, right? You know, he's kind of like, what are you, a moron? You got to evacuate. You got to get out of here. Okay, be safe, you idiot. You know, kind of. By the way, can I just pause to say, I mean, how amazing has Governor Christie been in this crisis? This guy, yeah, hear it for Governor Christie. He is like built for this thing, right? But it's strange because both men had the same directions. They had heard the word of Jesus, but only one of them put the words into practice. The moron said, thank God, uh, okay, God, whatever, I got my own idea. And you can do that with your life for a while. You can, you, can, you can base life on your own good ideas and ingenuity, and your talent will take you so far when you're building something. Or if you're building, you can, you can start a marriage based on romance and feelings, and he understands it. <laughs> Until the hurricane hits. Translation, you have your first child, Right? <laughs> And all of a sudden, I said, what the, you know? You can launch a business with good marketing, right? It's, it's all, you know, kind of whiz-bang, razzle-dazzle. We don't really have a product, but we're building a brand, you know, and you, you kind of, you can do that. You can build, you can actually launch and build a business so far until the, the bubble bursts or the hurricane hits or the economy tanks and your foundation gets exposed. The, the flaws, there's a crack in your foundation. In fact, maybe you never really had a foundation. It was built on sand, your own plans for success, not God's. You heard what he said. You just didn't do it. You went your own way. That's called sin. That's called idolatry. It's the brokenness inside of all of us. But everyone knows this. We do it for a reason. Because it's a lot more fun to live life in a beach house. That is, until a tropical hurricane hits. And the beach comes in your house. Then you got your work cut out for you. That's the way it is with life, is it not? It's the way it is with everything, every endeavor. It's the way it is with marriage. When I marry people, every single one of the bride and groom say the words. They say, for better or for worse, but we prefer the better. Because when the worst hits, our spouse gets sick or depressed or, or, or money gets tight. Kids go off the rails. The sex dries up. The barometric pressure kind of drops. The walls start shaking. At that moment, let me tell you something. Romance and feelings don't make a lick of difference. Amen? Your foundation gets exposed. But if your relationship is actually built on a deeper commitment, what commitment? A commitment first to Christ. I'm actually a brother of Jesus. I'm trusting in his blood. His spirit is in me, and my commitment is first to God. And my second commitment is to obeying his word. You actually can survive that storm. But if it's just based on feelings or whether the other person is meeting your needs, well, then when the waters rise and the wind blows, it 
it all comes crashing down. And many of you have watched helplessly and seen this happen in your own family. You know that. I don't have judgment at all for this. I'm just agreeing with Jesus. He's saying, this is, what, this is the way it works. That's why I'm giving you my word. I think you get the point. What is Jesus saying to us? What's his big idea? His big idea, guys, is that only a superstorm, a hurricane wrapped in a nor'easter, reveals the foundation of your faith. As long as the sun is shining on your life, you don't actually care about what you're, you're building it on. You may not care, you know, what you're building your marriage or your family or career is based on today. But when a superstorm hits, it has this way of exposing everything that you've laid your assumptions on. I really wish, I'd I, be honest with you, I wish the Christian life were like the way many televangelists describe it. Jesus has the key to your new Lexus, Right? The healing for your every disease. You got to think happy thoughts. You can build a church on that. You can build a great show on television on that kind of preaching, can't you? You got to let go and let God. Because if you don't let go, you're going to let God. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. All right? All I know is Jesus says these two guys were hit by the same hurricane. And the Bible says that God allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. In other words, on good people and the not-so-good people. Heaven opened, nature was unleashed, and the fury of the superstorm exposed the foundations they were building. And the truth for you and I is that any life, any home, any business, any relationship, any church not founded on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the word of God is simply a show. We see this. We, we see relationships like this. It's like the Kardashian wedding, right? Yeah, every, you know, it looks beautiful, $10 million, and everyone just kind of shakes their head. They're like, wow, how long is this going to last? 10 weeks, <laughs> you know? There's no substance. They say the words for better or for worse, but they don't put them into practice. And that's the gap that Jesus is highlighting in our faith. He's like, you can actually come to church, hear God's word, and say, makes sense, I agree. But if you don't put them into practice, Jesus is like, it's all for naught. You, you, can, you can say, you know what, God, would you bless my job search? But then when you fudge your resume, you think he's going to honor that long term? If you take shortcuts on your relationship because you're like, I, 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 gotta, I just got to find somebody. I can't wait for God's choice. I just got to make this thing happen. You think that's going to last? And the pressures, guys, it's the little things that determine the quality of the construction. And the question for you or I is, are you laying the right foundation in your relationships, your career, your ministry? Because at some point, that wind starts blowing, the water starts rising, and that storm comes. I like what the governor of New York said. He said, the problem with these 100-year storms is that they're happening every two years. It exposes our foundation. Are you building on the foundation of true faith, meaning a bedrock belief in God's word? It's not my goodness. It's all about Jesus. He lived the sinless life. His blood has washed me. I'm now the righteousness of Christ. And he has put his spirit in me so I can be a vessel of his grace to love and serve others. It's not about me anymore. Is that what your life is about? Or is life based on your own cleverness, your own priorities, your own desires and, and thoughts and plans? you got to understand something about laying foundations, construction-wise. This is Construction 101. Contractors in here, I'm giving away your secrets. You can't pour a foundation when it's raining. Did you know that? Uh, Colleen and I had our kitchen bumped out earlier this spring, and it was very frustrating to me because it had, you know, snowed, and they're like, oh, it's going to be delayed, shocker, delay. Uh, and when the ground thawed, I was like, oh, great, here's where we're going to, you know, make up time and everything. But then it rained, and nobody shows. And I'm like, 
I called the contractor. I'm like, what is, what's the deal with you guys? I'm like, you're, you're New Jersey contractors. You're like the Wicked Witch of the West. You're going to melt in the rain. We get over here, you know? And the, and the, the contractor came over, and he said, no, here's the deal, Tim. He goes, we, did, we laid all the groundwork here. I did it. We went as far as we could, but now the next step for us is to pour the foundation. And you can't pour a foundation when it's pouring rain. So they delayed us another week. And the point is this. Whatever foundation you are laying in your life, you better get it cemented before the storm hits. Because when the superstorm strikes, it will reveal the quality of your faith. Did you see the picture of those boats piled up that Sandy threw in a pile like sardines? The storm surge was so strong, there were actually boats sitting on the railroad tracks. That's crazy to me, some of these things. I want to show you this. If you flip over one chapter, literally flip one chapter to Matthew 8, Jesus says, I'm going to illustrate it for you. I'm not just going to talk about laying a foundation. I'm going to show you what it's like. And he tells his disciples to get into a boat. Verse 23 says, they got into his boat. His disciples followed him. And without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was what? He was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, this isn't significant, guys. Because Jesus says, I want to tell you the story. There's going to be a storm that hits, and you got to have the right foundation. And they're like, oh, it sounds good. I'll take notes. I'm filling this in. He's like, come and get in the boat with me. Okay, Jesus. And they get in the boat, and all of a sudden, this, this storm hits. Do you think maybe Je- it caught Jesus off guard? But he's here sleeping. And that's significant because this was not the Long Island Sound. This was the Sea of Galilee. It's about 680 feet below sea level. It's like a giant fishbowl. And what the disciples encounter here is a weather phenomenon known as a lilops. You say lilops? Lilops. It's where the wind rushes down from the hills suddenly, and because of the depth below sea level, without warning, it can, can stir up waves that are 20 feet or more. A lilops, a storm surge, sweeps their boat. It's foundering, maybe going to get swamped. And the disciples are freaking out. And you can't blame these guys, but think about this. What were the disciples? What did they do for a living? They were what? Fishermen. They spent their whole lives on the water. And they're like, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. That gives you a little of the severity of the problem. And the problem was this. Jesus was where? (laughs) Right? Asleep. It's kind of crazy, right? You, if you're not a Christian or you're skeptical of this whole faith thing, this is, this, you may be thinking, that's exactly my problem with faith. What good is having a God who goes to sleep during the storm? <laughs> when you need him most, he's sawing logs. He's laying in a recliner with his CPAP on. <laughs> right? But Jesus was sleeping. This, is, to me, is the most disturbing verse in the New Testament. <laughs> In Mark's account, it's even worse. I looked this up. In chapter 4 of Mark's gospel, he notes that Jesus was in the stern sleeping on what? On a cushion. In other words, Jesus had one of these babies. You guys ever see these? Those little neck pillows. Ooh. I actually, I took a plane. People on a plane typically use these things. It was great. I was... uh, getting on a flight out of Newark, and, uh, and, and this guy comes and sits next to me, and, you know, we're waiting for, to, to, to taxi and everything. And I literally go, so uh, where are you headed? He goes, sorry, I can't talk. And he takes out his little headrest, pushes the on button because it massages, and he pops a pill and goes, <laughs> and he literally fell asleep on the tarmac before we took off. 
I'm like, that's pretty sweet. But we get going, and we hit turbulence around Atlanta. And so I'm like white-knuckling. I'm like, oh, Lord, please. I get very religious. Jesus, help me, you know. And I'm white-knuckling. I look over at him. He's just like, <laughs> he's just asleep. Jesus is in the boat. His people are in the storm, and he's sleeping on a cushion. You understand why the disciples were upset? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? That's a natural response. That's a human response in a storm. Because people look at Sandy and they say, God, if you cared, why would you let something like this happen? If you could have prevented this, then why didn't you? Are you asleep? Don't you care if we drown? See, we can talk about faith, but it's when the storm hits that we say, where's God? Jesus is gone, man. He popped an ambient. He's gone. He's on the tarmac. So the disciples go and, and, and wake Jesus up, and he responds with, I think, kind of an insensitive question. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so what? Why are you so afraid? You know what another translation says? It translates it, why are you so easily ruffled? <laughs> it's very British. Why so, why so easily ruffled, New Jersey? These guys are fishermen. You know they're looking at Jesus like, okay, I uh, realize, uh, you know, Savior, uh, that you haven't been watching the Weather Channel, but there's this little thing called, the roller coaster's in the ocean, Jesus, okay? That's why we're easily ruffled, okay? What kind of question is that? But the Bible says, Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. And it was what? It was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Why? Do you believe that? Why does God allow a storm? So that his children will have no other choice but to call on Christ in the crisis. That's the whole point, guys. This is the opportunity where you drill down to the bottom of your faith and say, do I still trust God? Because sometimes, you know what God does? Sometimes he'll calm the storm out there, and sometimes he'll calm the storm in here inside his child. He said, I'm going to live in, my heart, in your heart. I'm going to set up my Holy Spirit in there so that when it all happens, nothing shakes you. It's, in these moments, guys, exposed, let's just be honest, the gaps in our faith what we're really trusting in for our salvation. And that's a question only you can answer this morning. I don't know where you are with God. But my question is, what kind of foundation is your faith resting on? Have you put your full faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? Not just in the good times, but actually when the crisis hits. Do you see Christ in the crisis? Or are you just along for the ride? You like Jesus? You like coming to church, listening to these these words of his, but you don't put them into practice. Why does God permit a storm like this? Because only in a hurricane will you discover whether you're really resting your whole life on the truth of who Jesus is, the heaven, the future that he has prepared for you, and whether you are actually constructing a life based on the word of God or just giving him lip service and listening to it. See, guys, I want to make a distinction for you. There is a world of difference between praising God on Sunday morning when all's well and praising God on Monday night when the storm makes landfall. Praise and worship are two different things. That's my one problem with that song we just sang. I love that song, Praise You in the Storm. Great song, Praise You in the Storm. Love it, very fitting. But I think the title should have been Worship in the Weather <laughs> because there's a big difference between praise and worship. We use them synonymously. You go to the bookstore and see praise and worship. You think it's the same word. It's not biblically. 
See, in the Bible, praise is when you thank God for all the good stuff that's happening in your life. You probably said that this week. Praise God, I got our power back, right? Praise God, I got the job. Praise God, I passed the test. Praise God is thanking God for when good things happen in your life. Praise. You know what worship is? Worship is when the basement floods, the tree falls down, you lose power, and you give thanks to Jesus Christ anyway because he's the God who over the wind and the waves. Amen? You believe it. It actually puts it in action. I worship you, Jesus, because you know what? You're the rock. You're the only thing that's unshakable in my life. My spouse may leave me. My, my business may tank. But you are the Lord of the wind and the waves, and I trust Christ in this crisis. I trust you then. I trust you now. I trust you. I'm putting my confidence in you, Jesus. This is a moment, guys. The guy who put me in this boat, I'm trusting him to get me safely to the other side. I don't just praise God for the sun. I worship him in the storm, amen? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know those words are from? The old hymn. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, Liquid? Can you hear that this morning? Can you just hear that this morning? More than that. Will you do what Jesus says? Will you be not just a hearer, but a doer? Will you put your faith now into action? Because that's the whole point Jesus is making. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, you're like the wise man who built his house on the rock. When Sandy came, man, she blew, she beat, she rose, and yet you know what? He didn't fall because his faith was founded on the rock. The only difference between the faith of these two guys is that one heard the words of Jesus and put them into practice. And that's exactly what we're going to do this morning, church. We are not going to just talk about faith, but we are going to put our faith into action and practice what we preach. You know what the Bible says? Faith without works is dead. It's just talk. But we want to be a church that's founded on walking the talk that we don't just hear the message of Jesus, but that we live it out on a street level, or should I say beach level, because that's where we're headed this Thanksgiving. Sandy Thanksgiving is the name of our churchwide outreach to the Jersey Shore this November. I am calling you, I am asking you to put your faith into action. Over the next two weeks, we are mobilizing hundreds of volunteers to serve and feed families along the Jersey Shore who lost everything. Pastor Mike has spent the past week going from town to town along the shore, kind of assessing needs, meeting with uh, town officials, and the need is absolutely staggering. It's truly overwhelming. What's amazing is he was on the beach meeting with the mayor down in uh, Long Beach Island when we get a call from the governor's office. The governor's office called this church and said, we know you have hundreds of people who can help. Would you come and serve? We said, we're already, we're ready. We're ready. How do you want to use us? And guys, this is amazing, but we have been specifically summoned to help not just the area around Long Beach Island, but Belmar, New Jersey. It is one of the quintessential Jersey Shore beach towns devastated by Superstorm Sandy. Some of you may have been there. It's about an hour uh, from here of points north. And um, this is a quick flyover that CBS did of Belmar. A look now at Belmar, New Jersey, where homes are still surrounded by three or four feet of the ocean here jumped the boardwalk, spilled over the roadway and down into these neighborhoods. Once the tide went back out, the ocean has nowhere to go. It can't get over the boardwalk to get back out. So these neighborhoods remain surrounded by water. I was at Belmar yesterday, and this is what's left of the boardwalk. When the storm surge came, 
it literally hit the boardwalk like a hurricane and blew it seven blocks in the storm surge went, covering houses up to about waist deep. And um, I was there yesterday talking with some people who we're going to be serving. And the one woman was like, well, she goes, yeah, it was standing water, you know, about up to here in my house. She said, but my neighbor got it worse because actually when Sandy hit the boardwalk, it took these planks and used them like a battering ram and broke through the front door of people all along our street. And the ocean just literally went through the children's bedrooms. And it was, it was staggering to watch. You, you, you may be right in the middle of this, but here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to leave our seats this Thanksgiving, and we're going to hit the streets of Belmar to do three things. We're going to help them clean. We're going to muck out devastated homes. We're going to serve. We're going to distribute relief supplies to all those families who were devastated, and then we're going to feed them. We're going to serve Thanksgiving meals, thousands of them, to families who lost everything. It was um, staggering to me to see God in this, because this is a major outreach effort. It's a compassion project we're calling Sandy Thanksgiving, and other churches are asking to be involved in it all over the world. We got a call from a church in Hawaii this morning that says, how can we help? How can we give? How can we serve with you? Guys, Thanksgiving is, is in just a couple weeks, and what I'm doing is asking you to sign up to be a part of this today, because an unprecedented storm demands an unprecedented response, and so I'm asking you to make a sacrifice and give up your Thanksgiving on Thursday, November 22nd, come down the shore with me and my family and bring your family and together we're going to serve Thanksgiving meals to families who lost everything. All the trimmings to these families that were in this devastated beach town. Belmar is not just the site of like people's second beach homes. You need to know about 50% of the population is low income. Um, there's a large Spanish population who we're going to get to serve. Our translator is going to work with that. But as a church, we stood up and we said, what do you need? And we committed to providing Thanksgiving dinner with all the trimmings and relief supplies for all the residents and the first responders. Um, the mayor was ecstatic about it. He says, what's the catch? We're like, there is no catch. He goes, it's Jersey. There's always a catch. <laughs> We're like, it's not just Jersey. It's Jesus. There's no catch. It's called grace. It's called putting our faith in action. Here's the deal, guys. Just listen closely to this. I need, can we just have a heart to heart? We haven't budgeted for this as a church. We have not budgeted for this, okay? We don't have the money. But our leaders met and we're like, we're going to either listen to the words of Jesus and preach the words of Jesus or we're going to do it. We're actually going to throw the board down. We're going to take a step of faith here because we want a church founded on doing, not just talking. Amen? Guys, I've learned one thing about liquidites over the years. You are generous. Whenever there has been a need, our church, you have stepped up to the plate, and I thank God for you. But as a church, we are taking this step of faith, and we are making Sandy Thanksgiving part of our Christmas offering. So hear this. Christmas is coming early this year to the Jersey Shore, and I'm asking you to be part of it. Do two things. First, I need some of you to go, to actually go and serve. But then I need all of you to give. Give sacrificially. If you can give a financial gift, this will go a huge way to help provide these relief supplies and Thanksgiving meals for all these families. By the way, it's not just um, Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to bring the party to the Jersey Shore, okay? You guys know how we do outreach. That weekend, we are going to pull out actually all the stops, bring our band, the bounce houses, stuff for the kids, and really make this outreach a time of, like, hope, you know, joy and, like, life, restore their hope. The mayor of Belmar was, like, overjoyed. He's like, you, we'll do anything for you. He goes, you'll have the city center. We'll close streets. Whatever. We're like, we don't want to be in the way. He goes, we're going to do whatever because you're going to have thousands of people here. And in a few days, guys, understand this. 
the camera crews are gone. FEMA is gone, okay? That's how these things work. But we're going to stand up and be the kind of church that puts into practice what Jesus says because following Jesus is about exercising your faith in the middle of the crisis. And we're going to restore hope to people who have had so much heartache and loss over the last few days. And so I'm asking you to do two things today. The first is this. Would you reach into your program and pull out the card that looks like this? And you'll notice it says, count me in to serve those impacted by Sandy. Do you got that? Can you pull that out? If you don't have one, would you wave your hand? Our team will bring you one. All our campuses, if you're missing it, just raise your hand. We'll bring you these, okay? All you need to do to sign up is give us your name, your email, and your best phone number. You can do this right now. You can just fill it out right now. And here's the deal. Even if you're not here on Thanksgiving, there's still opportunities to serve. I need you to hear that. We're going to have other days where we're going to be mucking out homes down on LBI. We're going to be mucking out homes in Belmar, all sorts of other days. Thursday is when we're going to do Thanksgiving. But there's all sorts of volunteer opportunities. And if you fill this out today, put it in the offering bucket when it comes around in just a minute, we are going to send you an email in the next 24 hours with all of the dates, the times, and the locations, okay? So fill that out. I see a lot of clicking pens. You can do that. We're going to collect these in just a minute. But Thanksgiving is on November 22nd. That obviously is a Thursday. And if you are here, I would ask you to consider giving up your Thanksgiving and coming down the shore with Colleen, me, and the kids and serving Thanksgiving dinner to these families. Now, this is one of those holidays where I think, you know, it's the turkey, the pilgrims, all that stuff. Guys, this is how you put thanks and giving back into Thanksgiving, amen? You can complete this card right now, and you're going to drop it in the offering bucket. In fact, ushers, would you come forward at all of our campuses? Just stand here up front. This is how you go, okay? This is how you volunteer. Drop that in. But I need you to give. I need you to give. Can I ever just stop for just a second? I know you're filling stuff out. Just listen to me. Guys, our offerings as a church are critical these next two weeks. They're critical. You guys know I don't, I don't talk about money a whole lot, but I, we need to talk about this today. I am asking you to please give generously to this critical project. If you've been holding back your tithes and offerings, the need is now. Don't wait for the end of the year. Some people wait till like, you know, the end of December to see how things sort out. We're starting the Christmas offering today so that we can serve tomorrow, this week, okay? And this is your chance to bring Christ to the crisis, and make this our best Thanksgiving ever. Amen? You guys ready to go? Anyone want to go? You ready to give? All right, let's do this together, guys. Let me pray, and we'll receive today's offering. Father God, we praise you in the storm. We worship you, God. We lift up the name of Jesus Christ and say we would see our Savior right now in this crisis. God, we know that you are not just a sleeper unaware you saw this coming, and now you're calling your church to stand up. And we're going to stand up, God. We're going to serve. We're going to give. We're going to be the hands and feet in the muck like you were in sending Jesus to us. Thank you, Jesus, that for our sake, you left heaven, the riches of heaven, to become poor and give your life. And now we're in your family. I ask right now, would you send your Holy Spirit Lord, be a healing balm to every family in our, our, our congregation, Lord, who is hurting. There's still those of us with needs, without heat. 
Father, may our, our heart just expand right now with the Holy Spirit this Thanksgiving, God. We want to be the church you have in mind. We want people to look at the Jersey Shore and say, oh my gosh, there's Jesus. We love doing it, God. We love being part of your mission, your kingdom mission to this broken world. So I ask, Lord, would you use all these offerings that are given, every penny, Lord, every $20, use everything, God, and multiply it with your love. Let people feel the embrace of, of your arms through this body. I ask that in the name and all the glory to go to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All God's people said together, amen. Amen, amen guys. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.